Good morning. Happy New Year. This is uh, kind of the first chance I've really had to say Happy New Year. 2015. <laughs> hmm. How did we get here? It just seems like it zipped right by, doesn't it? This morning, <clears throat> I want to do something just a little... Oh, hey, before I start officially. Uh, if you're interested in some of the details for the workday at the uh, new administration building down the street, I put them on Facebook, on our Facebook page. So, you know, if you want to know something that you would like to bring with you, like a bucket or some soap or things like that. And when, when we mention the bathrooms, they haven't been used yet. So, you know, come on out, get some coffee, check things out. And next Sunday, I'm going to start a new series on 1 Corinthians. So I hope you will uh, make it a first concern and priority to be here for the, uh, the start of a, a message on the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. And that'll be the first letter. And I'm calling it the series. I'm calling it Selfie. So there you go. Now, this morning, gratitude, Psalm 136. Um, you don't have to turn to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. Uh, but I, there is a refrain. And what I want you to appreciate is, uh, you know, the Psalms, um, I guess we could call them like liturgical, but they figured very importantly and prominently in worship. And so when we... Uh, say as we are, the things that we're going to say in response uh, to the worship leader of this psalm, we are echoing what others hundreds and hundreds of years before us expressed in response to the goodness, the goodness of God. In fact, when we think of the goodness of God and we think of generosity, uh, Goodness is not static. I think it's because of our, our culture and our upbringing that when we think of goodness, we think of it in terms of moral innocence or um, vindication that we're um, not subject to the penalty of the law because we're good. But goodness has to do with kindness generosity. And God, when, it, when the scriptures declare God is good, that is always and always should be understood as something active, uh, something changing things, something building things, something impacting things. Um, God, when, when we declare God is good, that is an encouragement because that's not just a little corner of things. That means everything he does is positive and encouraging and upbuilding and influencing in a beautiful and gracious way. So I'm going to read Psalm 136, and we're going to do this antiphonally. Antiphonally means that I'm going to say something and you're going to respond. And I'm going to teach you right now what you're to say. His love never ends. Now, 
Often the translations render it, for his steadfast love endures forever. Well, to say his love never ends is the exact same thing. It never runs out as we sang. It never comes to an end. It's never insufficient. And the psalm is going to declare, and this was to the people, uh, what God has done for them. And so they are remembering They are remembering the specifics of God's goodness, okay? So can you remember that? His love never ends. Let's try it. Thank God. He deserves your thanks. That was kind of weak. I know you're looking at me, but we are in the presence of God. I want you to picture him. Let's try it again. Thank God. He deserves your thanks. Thank the God of all gods. Thank the Lord of all lords. Thank the miracle-working God. The God whose skill formed the universe. The God who laid out earth on ocean foundations. The God who filled the skies with light. The sun to watch over the day. Moon and stars as guardians of the night. The God who struck down the Egyptians. The God who rescued Israel from Egypt's oppression. Who took Israel in hand with his powerful hand. Who split the Red Sea right in half. Led Israel right through the middle. Dumped Pharaoh and his army in the sea. The God who marched his people through the desert. Smashed huge kingdoms right and left. Struck down the famous kings. Struck down Og, the Bashanite king. Distributed their land as booty. Handed the land over to Israel. God remembered us when we were down. Rescued us from the trampling boot. Takes care of everyone in time of need. Thank God who did it all. Amen. A little different, huh? I do want to talk about... Uh, Gratitude. Thanksgiving. Recognizing. Acknowledging. I was, while we were singing, um, I thought, gratitude is the response to grace. It's a word, gratitude. But it, 
it encompasses everything that should happen when we see God's grace. When we personalize it, that's very important. When we appreciate it, when it touches us, when, when I get it, and as we were singing, I thought, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm sentimental. I cry more easily than ever. I get choked up. Why? Why am I sentimental? Uh, why do little things a student gave me still sit on my shelf? Gratitude. It's not just what a person did for me or a person did for you. And because God is good, everything ultimately comes from him. Everything is traced. Be a detective. Everything goes back to him because he's good. And if he's good, he's personal. He cares. He's not an inanimate force. There's something going on in all of this. And it's good. And we see it even in people who don't see it themselves. And it's, it touches me. I see the beauty of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. And I see it in other people. Compassion comes from grace. When you're touched by grace, you realize, I'm not such a big shot after all. My life, your life, has been woven by the strands of grace and goodness and kindness and love. And when you realize you're not such a big shot and that it's because of the goodness of God, of others, it makes you compassionate. When there are others that need help, In 1995, we'd moved to Modesto. We had been in South San Francisco for 10 years, and I'd started a PhD program while, uh, while there. And so when we moved back, I created an office and was working at least eight hours a day in writing and study. And uh, during the day, on many days, I was home alone, and, and one day the doorbell rang. So I got up from my desk and I went to the door and there was this big strapping guy and he had a uniform on and he was a meter reader. Meter readers don't usually come to the door. He introduced himself. He said his name was Tom Knox and uh, we had a connection. I guess he has information on me. So he knew I lived there. That's why he came and knocked on the door. But anyway, Tom was uh, the brother of the wife of my dearest friend. And uh, we got to talking and Tom said, well, welcome, you know, to the area. And why don't we get together? And 
like I said, he was big and strapping, and so we started working out a couple days a week at least, and uh, that was a good break for me. And one day while we were weightlifting, Tom said, John, in one word, what's... uh, What's the essence or the most important thing to discipleship? Being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, in one word. Well, I said, that's a tall order. Let me get back to you the next time we work out. I I said, I have a hunch what I want to say, but let me think about it a little bit more. So a couple days later, we returned and we're working out. And I said, Tom, I got to tell you, I I think that word is gratitude. Um, gratitude acknowledges God, recognizes God, sees what he's doing, realizes it's unmerited, it touches your soul, it makes you respond, it, 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 it makes you praise and give thanks. It makes you want to serve. Gra- gratitude is my response to grace, but it's grace that touches and changes me, and it's, it's the gratitude that's kind of the catalyst to changing who I am, changing the way I see myself, see others, see the world around me. You just don't get it if there's no gratitude. It's just up here. It's just a fact. It's a number on a piece of paper. But if it's gratitude, it changes you. It it softens your heart. It melts that tough exterior. And much, much more. I know it's hard to say anything in one word, but if that was all I could say, that one word would be gratitude. Gratitude is the right response to grace. True gratitude stems from willingness to recognize what is unearned or undeserved. And what is unearned and undeserved is grace. That's what we mean when we talk about grace. We grow in grace. Now, look, let me just... Talk plainly. Gratitude is good for you. You're the, not only the recipient of grace, but when you recognize grace and it starts to be effervescent in you, you're the benefactor, not just of the grace, but of the response to grace. And that's what I want to start off this new year with is an appreciation of the grandeur of grace. I've already told you gratitude's the right response to grace. I've already talked about our God is a God of grace. Every virtue, every value, every good and beautiful thing that we associate with God falls under the heading of grace. His generosity his goodness. Martin Luther, Brian talked about Martin Luther. I should have had a Martin Luther King quote. Um, But Martin Luther, as uh, Brian said, the 16th century reformer, 
I mean, this is a man who changed the course of the world in many ways. We're not the same because of him and the Reformation. When he nailed in objection to certain practices, his 95 theses on the door of the Cathedral of Wittenberg in Germany. He is the father of what we are thinking of. I mean, he articulated it. He brought it to the forefront when we hear about justification by faith. How important is that? If you think of doctrines, then think, realize that's, that's Martin Luther. Sola scriptura, scripture alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Those are the words of Martin Luther. When you think of Lutheranism, it goes back to Luther. What did Luther say about gratitude? Here it is, write it down. Gratitude is the basic Christian attitude. You see, if you just say, if I say gratitude is the basic Christian attitude, Okay, but if Luther says it, maybe it means a little bit more. Maybe there's something a little special there because this is a big guy. This is, this is a guy who changed things. His name is huge. He knows a lot. He's an important person. And when he says gratitude is the basic Christian attitude, your ears ought to tingle a little bit. Or Karl Barth. Karl Barth was a pastor, German theologian, wrote his church dogmatics in 13 volumes. I couldn't even hold them together like this. They would be so wide. He was on the cover of Time magazine. His commentary on the epistle of Paul to the Romans in 1918 changed the theological world. What did he have to say about gratitude? He said, grace and gratitude go together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice, an echo. In other words, he's saying we're missing it. If we aren't grateful, we're not seeing God's grace. We're not experiencing God's grace. We might be thinking about it. We might be talking about it, but we're not getting it because gratitude and grace go together like heaven and earth, the voice and echo. Now, some don't like Luther. Some don't like Bart. Some don't like flowers or puppies and kittens. But what they have to say about grace is spot on. Advertising. We are a society of commercialism and advertising. It makes our world, our economy, our culture go. Everything is being pumped. And it causes us as a people to say, what's in it for me? We're never satisfied. We never have enough. 
We're not a thankful culture. We're not a thankful society. We're an angry, upset people who want more, who feel like we've been cheated, like we're not getting our just desserts. And that's what advertisers appeal to. You deserve this. So let me advertise gratitude a moment. What is in it for me? Here are the benefits of gratitude. And I'm just going to draw from some sources to influence you. These are from what science says about gratitude. For example, I saw a TV special not long ago who repeatedly cited Robert Emmons. Emmons is professor of psychology at the University of Davis. He's a foremost authority on the topic and author of uh, numerous research articles and books on gratitude, on happiness. I've read his latest book, Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier. And that's what's in it for you. If you become grateful, you'll become happier. Everybody wants to be happy, right? I mean, I can't count how many times I've heard parents say, all I want to be is happy, or all I want is my kids to be happy. It's like the objective of life, to be happy. Well, everybody will be happier, says Emmons. He has scientific proof, neuroscientific proof, too, that people who practice gratitude are happier people and more pleasant to be around. Grateful people, says Emmons, experience, experience higher levels of positive emotions, life satisfaction, vitality, optimism, and lower levels of depression and stress. Grateful people place less importance on material goods and are less envious of others. Do you know what that tells me? And and we could duplicate what he's saying here. What this tells me is that humans are designed to respond to God's grace. Because it's all around us. We talk about general revelation and special revelation. Have you ever heard that? General revelation. That's like what Paul talks about in Romans when he says the heavens declare... Step out into nature, into the world, and observe God and what he's done for us in his creation, what he's provided. Special revelation is God's redemptive special action on behalf of his people. Does that make sense to you? In other words, his, the creation, what he created as the artist of the universe is for everyone, for his creation. But he has taken, that's general revelation to God, but there is special revelation in which he has revealed himself, his heart, his love, his forgiveness, his goodness, and the 
epitome, the apex, the highest peak of that is in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It tells us what kind of God he is. That's all of grace. And if we start to get that, it makes us grateful. And what happens, says the scientists of this, they say it makes you happy. It makes you kind. It makes you generous. You're not so full of yourself. You're thoughtful, more sensitive to others. In other words, good things start to happen. And that tells me that we were always meant to respond to God's grace, to understand the fullness of who we are to be. What about relationships? I'm still telling, I'm still selling you on gratitude. Here's another advertisement. What about relationships? Life depends on relationships. Relationships make the world go round. Take marriage, for example. Arlie Hochschild, professor of sociology at the University of California, Berkeley, one of the most prestigious schools in the land. Author of several prize-winning books, numerous articles on the balancing acts of modern two-job couples at home and at work. And this is what she writes about the economy of gratitude, her words, in her book, The Second Shift. When couples struggle, it's seldom over who does what. Far more often, it's over the giving and receiving of gratitude. The struggle for marriage is the struggle to cultivate gratitude between men and women. Gratitude. What about wealth? Here's another advertisement for gratitude. Who doesn't want to be rich? Come on. If I only won the lottery. Ben Stein, actor, comedian, writer, economist, lawyer, presidential speechwriter for Presidents Nixon and Ford. He's a political commentator. He's, like I said, he's also a comedian. But this is for real. This is serious. And he says, I cannot tell you anything that in a few minutes will tell you how to be rich. But I can tell you how to feel rich, which is far better. Let me tell you firsthand, feeling rich is far better than being rich. And to feel rich, you've got to be grateful. His words, be grateful. It's the only totally reliable get-rich-quick scheme. End quote. Now, these are recent advertisements. G.K. Chesterton. You're familiar with G.K. Chesterton? He, he died in the first part of the century. I think it was 1936, 37. But we know G.K. Chesterton through C.S. Lewis, although he should be known on his own right. He was the author of some 80 books, hundreds of poems, some 200 short stories, 4,000 essays, several plays, a literary and social critic, historian, playwright, novelist, Catholic theologian, and Christian apologist, which means he was a defender of the Christian faith. Chesterton's book, The Everlasting Man, contributed to the conversion of C.S. Lewis. 
In fact, C.S. Lewis in a letter wrote, the very popular defense of the full Christian position I know, the best, he says, I know, is Chesterton's The Everlasting Man, which Lewis ranked to, as one of the 10 books that most shaped, one of 10 books that most shaped his vocational attitude and philosophy of life. And what did, and you all know how important C.S. Lewis, I wonder what the world would look like if we didn't have C.S. Lewis in it. And this is what Chesterton says. Gratitude produces the most purely joyful moments that have ever been known to man. How about Albert Schweitzer? A theologian, organist, philosopher, physician, and medical missionary. He received his doctorate in theology at 24. He wrote two books, which are still standard reading in seminary. The Quest for the Historical Jesus and Paul and His Predecessors. I have five of his books in my office. He was a renowned concert organist. How do you get a doctorate at 24 and become a renowned concert organist and then write a book on how to build organs, which becomes the standard in the field, and then at 30, at 30, he says, I want to devote the rest of my life to serving mankind. He wanted to become a missionary. To become a missionary, he went back and got his medical doctorate. And then where did he go? He went to the very heart of Africa, where there were no white people at all. And he served them the rest of his life. This is what he says when he received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952 and his reception speech, the problem of peace, the problem of peace, which beauty queens want to bring to the world, is considered the best ever given. And in this sermon that he preached titled Gratitude, the secret of life, he said, Gratitude is the secret of life. The greatest thing is to give thanks for everything. He who has learned this knows what it means to live. He has penetrated the whole mystery of life, giving thanks for everything. Albert Schweitzer. Seneca, writer, Stoic philosopher, tutor, later counselor to Emperor Nero. His brother Gallio is mentioned in the New Testament. Gallio was the proconsul who was the judge in Paul's case when he was tried in Corinth, brought into court. He sat under Seneca's brother. That's in Acts 18, 12 through 17, by the way, if you want to read it. Seneca wrote, he wrote a treatise on, called On Benefits, which is like on acts of gratitude, or on acts of grace, if you will, excuse me. A benefit is an act of kindness or goodness that's undeserved and unmerited. 
He says, he who takes pleasure in receiving a benefit, an act of grace, a gift, enjoys an unvarying, an unchanging, and continuous happiness, which he derives from consideration, reflection, thinking, personalizing, not of the thing given, but of the intention of the giver. A benefit, an act of grace, gives perpetual joy to a grateful man, but pleases an ungrateful one only for a moment. True to life, isn't it? Then he says, can the lives of such men be compared, seeing that the one is sad and gloomy, and the other is joyous and cheerful, and on the watch for an opportunity of providing, of proving his gratitude and gaining much pleasure from his frame of mind. And he goes on to say, there's just no comparison. Gratitude, you see, is not only the greatest of virtues, but it's the parent of all others. That's what Cicero said. Roman statesman, orator, and philosopher Gratitude, you see, many can talk about gratitude, but we are in the unique position to recognize that all good things come from God. And that supercharges our gratitude because we know God in a personal way. He who superintends the universe and loved us so much that he sent his one and only son In Psalm 136, there are six refrains. God is supreme in verses 1 through 3. God is the creator of all in verses 4 through 9. God is our deliverer in 10 through 16. Our victor in 17 through 22. Our friend in need in 23 through 25. And God of heaven. In 26, supreme. Will his love end? Could somebody dash or destroy or defeat his love? No, God is superior. Is there somebody could, that could overthrow our benefactor, our God? No, God is the creator of all. Is there some way that we should feel lost or forgotten or alone or insignificant or unimportant or despised by all, everybody and nobody? No, God is our deliverer. God is our victor. God is our friend in need. God in heaven And to each one, the constant refrain, his love never ends. That's the personalizing part. That's when I say, oh, I hate it when Pastor John makes me say these things. And along the way, you start saying it because you realize, this is is my experience. This is my God. This is my creator, deliverer, victor, friend. And remembering it changes us. 
You know, when we, if you want to know where worship comes from, yeah, it comes from gratitude. It comes from remembering, acknowledging, recognizing, appreciating. It just starts to bubble forth. Gratitude is at the heart of all things because it appreciates God's grace. So get grateful. Gratitude doesn't come easily because there are so many things that attract and distract. We have to have the eyes to see. And we have them through Jesus Christ. So keep a gratitude journal, a record of the gifts, grace, benefits, good things you enjoy. Build altars in your heart unto the Lord. I love the book of Joshua chapter 4 where they, they have been brought through the swollen raging river. God has stopped it. And as they go through on dry, dry ground, they pick up stones and they carry them to the other side where God has led them and they build an altar. If we built altars, how would we build them? How would we build them? We build them with gratitude. Gratitude builds altars of thanksgiving and praise to God. And then when we are facing a difficult trial, either a tall mountain or dark cloudy skies on the horizon and we're scared or frightened, we just look over our shoulder and behind us, there are monuments dotting the countryside of our lives. And we say, look at all the things God has led me through. And we remember and we begin to rejoice and confidence returns to our heart, hope and joy and instead of becoming shriveled up and preoccupied with ourselves, there's a new openness to life and opportunity and hope and power and energy. Count your blessings. My mom used to knock on the door of my room when I was a teenager. Why is it adolescents go through that? I I don't quite understand that, where they like to be holed up in their room. But mom would stick her head in it and she would say, count your blessings, John. Name them one by one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't get it. Remember to show gratitude for answered prayer. I remember think of Luke 17 where the 10 lepers came to Jesus begging him for help. He said, go and show yourself to, wash, show yourself to the priest on the way they're healed. One, re- one realizes he's been healed. He comes back praising Jesus, falls at his feet, thanking him. Jesus says, were there not nine? Gratitude doesn't come naturally. It comes through seeing grace. Grace and realizing, I didn't earn this. I didn't do this. God has been gracious to me. And I'm grateful. Bob Russell, pastor and author, said, it's a rare person who, when his cup frequently runs over, can thank God instead of complaining about the limited size of his mug. So say thank you. You know, there are certain things that you can do to show you weren't raised by wolves. (laughs) Thank you is one of them. Send thank you notes and be profuse with honest appreciation and praise. Tell others 
that you note and see what God is doing in their lives and adding to yours as a result. Sometimes I look at people in the choir or people in the praise team or I look at Brian or I look at you and I think, what would this church, what would this world be without you? Look on the bright side. There are positives in every negative. You've heard me tell this story, but I got to say it real quick is we, Shelly and I go to the beach and we get out there early in the morning and there's nobody there and it's a beautiful view and we're just soaking in, you know, and this family of five comes and sits right in front of us. And I start to grumble quietly. And Shelly says, you know, if Grandma Wilder were here, she'd say, God put them there so you could pray for them. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) That's what I want to be like. I want to be like Grandma Wilder. I want to be like the great saints who are just so mindful of God's grace that it shows up in their life in so many just beautiful ways. Lisa Ryan, in the Upside Down Times, discovering the power of gratitude, said, urged us to acknowledge and appreciate people who make a difference in our lives. She wrote, because the mind cannot experience two opposite emotions at the same time. You cannot be grateful and be sad at the same time. Gratitude is worship. Gratitude is recognition. Gratitude is appreciation. It's not keeping score. It's uh, it's feeding the soul. Will you stand with me? Today was not the, the day, but... The whole foundation, we could talk about gratitude, but I wouldn't have the passion that I do and the conviction that I do. It's, it's, it's all profound and true because of Jesus Christ. Jesus bonifies and validates what I've been saying, and he is the epitome of God's grace. If you do not know Jesus Christ this morning, I'm going to pray. And after I say amen, I'm going to be down here. And if you would like to come and talk to me about knowing Jesus, receiving Jesus, or to pray about anything else, I'm going to be here along with other pastors this morning, elders and their wives. We invite you to come. Maybe it'll be just a moment to say, I want to thank the Lord. We pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Spirit, your Spirit that moves in our lives, never ceasing to impel us into all of the riches of your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your great love. You are good. And your love never ends. And all of God's people said,
God bless you.